This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We are in Psalm chapter 26. He says, this is a, this is, this is a prayer of David. And it, it, he says, vindicate me, O Lord. And that word vindicate is a, is a interesting word. It's actually a legal term. It's an idea. It's a legal idea. It's the idea of going through the process of evaluating or judging and then coming to a conclusion of innocence. Okay. And David is asking God to, to judge, to come down and take a look at the situation and bring him to the place where he is found not guilty or or he's found to be innocent. Uh, in fact, the verb vindicate means to be found innocent. And the, the real question, is it possible for us to be found innocent, knowing that we are completely and utterly wicked? And let's go through what David has to say about that. He says, for I have walked in my integrity. Now, what that means is, and remember, we always deal with it throughout scripture. And I go over and over again, the walk of his life, which means the path that he has chosen to walk down in his life and the path that he chooses to walk each day and the path that he chooses to be on each moment, uh, that, that is what he says is integrity or he's walked on the, on, in, in the word for integrity means the right path, the, the proper path. And so his first argument is, is, I have walked on the proper path or the right path in the, the path that is for me and my integrity. Now, <clears throat> some people will say, you say what you've done is right. That's not what David is saying. What David is saying is, David's saying, I have walked in the path that God has given me. And so is that is is that a reason to be found innocent? Or is that a reason to for God to find you innocent? Yeah, it is. He says, I have also trusted in the Lord and have not slipped or shall not slipped. And I, I like shall because shall in a legal sense means it cannot happen. If it says, if, if you see in, in a code where it says shall or shall not, that means there's not any room for, there's not any room for deviation. Now, obviously, those who were trying to look for room for deviation so that they cannot follow the law, and that happens, that, that's part of an attorney's job is sometimes to find, to find the wiggle room in something. But that's, that's, that's a, a legal term that cannot be changed. The, in fact, the First Amendment says the right of the people to a free exercise of religion shall not be abridged, which means there's no way to abridge it now. Has the Supreme Court found a way to abridge it? Yes. I don't know how they got there. And to tell you the truth, I think the way they got there was not the path. <laughs> he says, I have also trusted in the Lord and I shall not slip, which means I've, I've walked the path that God has told me to walk. 
and I have trusted God, which is faith. And I've faithed him in that walk on the path that I've been. And he says, and because of my faith, because of faith, I won't slip. God won't allow me to slip off the path. Now, so the whole port, the whole part here that is talking about walking in integrity and walking along the path is predicated because that's what that's the first says. He says, I've walked along the path of integrity. I've trusted in the Lord and I shall not slip. So I've walked and I shall not slip is sandwiches this main idea of I walked by faith. And, and if I trust God, then God is going to continue to show me the path and he's going to continue to make sure that I don't slip. And so what is the most important integral part of his argument? The most integral part of the argument is that he's trusted in the Lord. And so faith is what has put him on that path and faith is what going to keep him from slipping off that path. And what matters the most is, what matters the most is what we believe or what we faith. And our faith, when we say our faith is in the Lord, it has to be, it can't be in the letters L-O-R-D because those aren't even the original letters that they were written. It has to be in some understanding that has been given to us about L-O-R-D or the Lord. And, and so that means that we have to trust in what has been the information that has been given to us or what has been revealed to us by God. We have to trust in what he reveals to us, which means that we have to trust in his general revelation to the world, his word, and we have to trust in him specifically applying that to our own daily walk each and every day. And, and that's real important in, because learning how to hear the word of God, hear the Holy Spirit and believe it immediately or trust it immediately and make that integrate and integrate that or that's part of that word integrity to, to, to bring it in and make it a part of my life is a, is a learned process of how to trust. And so do, does your natural reaction to situation fall in line with the way God do, does things? If it does, then you've learned to trust what he said and you've made it an integral part of your life. If, it, if your natural reaction is not to act as God would act or not to evaluate as God would evaluate from his revealed word to us, if it's out of line with it, then what that means is in your daily walk or your daily practice, you have not integrated God's word into your life. You hadn't done it. And so we need to do an examination of that. And that's what David says right there. He says in verse two, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. What he's saying is put me in situations, look into who I am and how I react and prove whether or not I am actually trusting in you and walking that path that that you have set for me. And the New Testament teaches us that we need to examine or test ourselves. First, we need to prove our own self. We need to examine our own. And that's part of, that's part of the Lord's prayer or the prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples when he says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And then he said, before that, he says, forgive me my debts as I forgive those who have debts against me or debt or debtors against myself. 
And, and that is, that are, those are not financial debts. Those are spiritual debts. Those are wrongs done to each other. And so what he's saying, what Jesus is saying, there has to be a process in your prayer life with God where you and him evaluate whether or not you, whether or not you have acted properly toward others and whether or not uh, you have forgiven them for improperly acting toward you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. And if, if you're thinking, if, so, so the whole point of that is, an ex, is a self-examination. And then lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I need to evaluate my life as, as, as it relates to temptation. And am I putting myself in a position to be tempted? And let me say that. The devil tempts sometimes. We love to say the devil made me do it. But the truth is our own flesh tempts us. And we have to get out of our lives the processes by which the temptation comes. We have to remove the temptation process from our life. We have to remove the things that tempt us. And so he says, examine me, Lord, or Lord, prove me, try my mind and my heart. What he, and, and remember, he's not talking about our flesh. Our flesh is sinful. What David is keying in on, which is the right thing. In fact, David in the Old Testament uses the ideas of the New Testament or the understanding of what the soul is in the New Testament. He literally talks about this in the Old Testament, the mind, the intellect, and the heart, the passion. Now, David would have said the heart because it would be the stomach. They believe that they call the heart the stomach. And some of us have big hearts. But the, the, the mind, the intellect, and the heart, the passion, though, though, or the emotive, the intellectual and emotive aspects of who we are, which really is, and it's going to do it twice probably, which really is who we are. It's the best part of who we are. Okay. It's the best part of who we are. He says, when I say the best, I'm not talking about the best in qualitative. I'm talking about it is it is the part that people love. It's not your, if it's your flesh that they love, they won't love it long, very long. If it's your heart and your mind that they love, then that is the real you. He says, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. Now notice he goes back to that loving kindness thing that he talked about yesterday. God is loving and through his love is kind to us. His, his loving kindness, which is really the mashing together of two very powerful words, making a, a super word, if it were, loving kindness. His loving kindness is before my eyes. It's always right out there. God's path that he set for me is right out there in before me. He says, and I have walked in your truth. I have walked in your truth. Going back to that path, he says, I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, which means going all the way back to the first song, he's not walked in the uh, way of the sinner, nor walked in the, let me read it to you, because my, my mind is not working at full capacity as I get up in the morning. If I had court at seven o'clock, I would not be as good. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the mocker or the scornful. What he's saying there is, is blessed is he who does not listen to the counsel of the, of the ungodly. And then he, once he listens to it, he stops and stands in the way of the sinner, which means he stops and actually begins to act like he's what he's listening to. 
And then finally, he sits in the sea of the mocker. And David says here, going through his own understanding over this is these are things that David understood and has learned from God. He says, I have not sat with idolatrous mortals and idolatrous mortals being us and idolatry, meaning the worship of other gods other than you. And that would be sitting in the seat of the mocker. He says, I've not done that. He says, nor will I go in with hypocrites meaning he's not going to go in with people who say they haven't and are. He's not even going to, he's not going to go in and have anything to do with people who claim to be one thing, and yet their life doesn't reflect that thing that they claim to be. He says, I've hated the assembly of the evildoers, which means <clears throat> I've evaluated myself and I don't, I don't carouse with those people. And that's important to see and to, to, to get. I don't carouse with evildoers. He says, and I will not sit with the wicked. And you say, aren't we supposed to love everybody? Yes, but remember, bad company corrupts good character. And I am supposed to love those around me, no matter how I find them or what state I find them in. But I don't have to make my life a part of their life. I don't have to make me part of who they are. I don't have to, I don't have to meld me with them. I don't have to do that. I, I don't have to, and, and I shouldn't. I should love them. I should be uh, constantly finding ways to be of service to, but I should not make my part with them. I not, should not make my life with them. He says, I will wash my hands in innocence which means I'm not going to I, I'm I'm not going to even put myself in a position where there's a likelihood that I would be tempted. The Bible teaches us to avoid the appearance of evil, which means don't even put yourself in a position where it looks like you were involved in that. He says, I wash myself in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord. And these things everything that I'm talking about right here as far as dealing with the with the world and dealing with people in the world are, are learned things and they're hard things and they're difficult things. They're not easy. They're not easy things. And young people struggle with them because they're put in classes and put in schools and everybody's, and there's a real desire for everybody to be not equal, but to be same, sameness. And there's a desire to make everybody the same. The thought of kids when they're in school is that we're all the same and we're not all the same. We're all equal, but we're not all the same. And so then they have to begin to evaluate the process, go through the evaluative process. If I hang out with them, this is who I'm going to be. If I hang out with them, this is who I'm going to be. And then they have to realize that, okay, if this is who I am, where am I going? What will happen down the road? And, and teaching your children to be able to do that as they, as they develop relationships, as they walk in relationships and not do it in a condemning way, but guiding much like a, a, a rabbi guides his, those that he teaches guiding them through that process of understanding that this leads there and this leads over here. And you have to be very careful of those things. Guiding yourself through those processes is, is very important for a child so that when they get to college and then early adulthood, they're regularly on the path of being in, in, in the place where they're walking with the, those who are walking with God and not walking with those who are not walking with God, yet loving them and helping them because not everybody gets the opportunity to have that uh, taught to them as they're growing up. 
There are people that over the course of life, as we go through the courses of life, as they walk through these things, as those things happen, there are people who, who get the opportunity to learn these things when there are young adults or even median age adults. And, and, and so the, those things happen in time, but, and they, and those, and the world needs us to be people who are always constantly out there loving people and giving, giving and, and sharing and, and encouraging godliness and encouraging people to chase after anything that the, their heart might hear from God. And, and that's our job to be heralds for God, to be those who are out there spreading the, the life-saving, loving message of Jesus Christ, because you're going to run into people who, who didn't get the opportunity to be taught to walk in those paths and do those things. And so they're picked up along the way and they figure it out. They start studying God's word and their lives are changed. He says, I wash myself in innocence, so I'll go about your altar, O Lord. What he's saying is, I want to be in your presence. I don't want to be in the presence of the world that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. See, he, he says, I want to be able to walk in your path and see the works of your hand so that I can thank you for them and then I can tell others about them. He says, Lord, I've loved the habitation of your house, which means I seek to be in your house. He says later on in the Psalms, he says, I want to dwell in your house forever, in the house of the Lord forever. And that's part of this time we talk about this early morning quiet time where we talk about spending time with God and spending time wrestling with God and understanding God and seeing the power of God and the, and the presence of God at work around us. That's the, that's what we're talking about. And, and that's the important things of life and, and, and learning to love to be in, in the presence of God on a regular basis is a, now you got to get this. It's a learned thing. It's not something that you, you just pick up overnight. He says, he says, Lord, I've loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. He says, do not gather my soul with sinners. And what he's saying is, Lord, you lead me in the paths of righteousness. Don't gather me with the hearts and the minds of those who are against my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands is a sinister scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes. He's saying, Lord, don't put me in the path of those people who are doing those things and who walk in those things and who live in worldliness or, or carnality. He's saying, don't gather me with those people. Don't don't put me, don't put my life in, in, in their presence. And, and learning to walk a certain path does put you in a position where you're not in those, in that presence very much. You're not around that. You're not, your life is not tied to that. He says, but as for me, I will walk in my integrity. He, he goes right back and, and, and this is a song in a way. So there you do go back to the chorus again. He says, I will walk in my integrity. That goes back to walking in the path God has placed us on. Redeem me and be merciful to me. Now notice he, he, he says, I need to be redeemed because there are parts of me that are not integrity. He says, and I need your mercy. I need not what I deserve, but I need uh, you to pay the price for me to have what, what you have provided. And so he says, my foot stands in an even place. And that goes back to his foot not slipping. But rather than doing it in the negative way, saying my foot will not slip, he says my foot stands on an even place. Now for us, because we've made all these roads and made everything, for us, that's not an issue. But if you're a hiker and you 
hike along paths, you know that there's nothing even anywhere. And where you place your foot is a very of great importance because you can place your foot in the wrong place and boom, you're on your you're on your rear, or you might even be sliding down a hill and, and hurting yourself severely. And so for the people of David's day, finding an even path where you didn't have to worry about slipping was a was a blessing, was a was a uncommon thing. And for David, he says, I, you've placed my feet on on flat surfaces. You've placed my feet on a place where they're not going to slip. He says, my foot stands in an even place in the congregation. I will bless the Lord. And, and what he's saying is, there you go. He says, I'm going to, I'm in a place where I can stand firm and I'm in a place where I can actually bless the Lord's heart because of my faith. I can trust him and walk with him and please him through my faith. And then he says, that was it. For some reason, I thought there was 13 verses, but they're not. In fact, they're fabulous. I didn't. I, I really did think there were 13 verses. For some reason, last night, I planned for 13 verses, and there were only 12. Anyway, I hope these uh, Bible studies are good for you. I do realize that as we begin to transition back into a, a more open economy and a more open business world, and people have to go back to work and go back to their time frames as far as their life is concerned, that this will become a little bit less of an importance and that's natural. That being said, there will be days where I won't be able to do it. I'll have to just begin to give you some kind of idea when I will be doing Bible studies and then, uh, and then let you know my schedule during the week can be very hectic and I have a feeling as the courts begin to open up that the hecticness will be even greater and, and more abundant because of the backup of the cases that are uh, before the court. Anyway, I hope for you that, that uh, you spend these last week or of, of staying at home more, or maybe even the last month, the next month or so of staying at home more. I hope you enjoy that and find out the important things are, are God and the important things are family. And the important things are church and the important things are God's, the godly people that God has put in your life, your friends. And I remember that being taught to me actually by coaches that uh, the important first, first is God, second is family, third is, is the church people. And then fourth was football for them. But really in life, fourth is the godly people and the godly friends and, and the folks around you that you are there to bless. And really in life, those are the most important things. I know the TV would want you to uh, focus on other things, but those are the most important things. And then as far as the national or, or state scene, the most important things are the uh, foundational documents which create those entities. And, and I'll place my, my energy and focus on ensuring that the foundational truths by which we will, be, will remain the same. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.